on this Wednesday CNN President Jeff Zucker resigning effective immediately. Zucker releasing a memo saying he's leaving after having what he calls a consensual relationship with CNN's chief marketing officer. Hey girl, what, what you doing down there? Dancing alone every night while I live right above you. I can hear your music playing. I can hear your body swaying. One floor below me, you don't even know me. I love you. Oh, my darling, knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. Twice on the pipe If the answer is no Oh my sweetness Means you'll meet me in the hallway Oh twice on the pipe Means you ain't gonna show Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children. <laughs> I mean, that's an incredible opener. This is just great stuff. <laughs> I, I, re I really feel like it's her finest work since like the Weaver Man shanty. Oh, it, is, it is just perfect. I never thought that Tony Orlando would be covered on this program. Yeah, you know, and everybody really pitched in. We had Hollywood Han. Yeah. You playing know, the instruments. You know, knocking on the pipes. And the pipes and the and the doors and the or the ceiling. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and Kevin Golden really giving it his all. And you you'll meet him, listeners, a little bit later here as we talk about some content. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think a really good production that adds the variety to the old variety program. And I think we should go in depth in explaining the reasoning. Like the, yeah, can the you talk, that. Michael, I'd like for you, because this is really your sure. brainchild, I'd like right. for you to talk about why the living above you and knocking on the pipes is a, a relevant piece to the Zucker story. Yeah, so, I mean, if you if you somehow missed the news of, of Jeff Zucker, let me tell you here from the Fox News story, embattled CNN boss... Jeff Zucker walked away from the liberal network on Wednesday after failing to disclose a consensual, quote, consensual relationship with a CNN staffer. Uh, more from the story. Zucker's relationship was with CNN marketing chief Allison Gullist. I think that's right. Who the now former CNN boss has long been speculated to have a relationship with. Gullist will remain at CNN, according to Brian Stelter. <laughs> uh, pretty incredible. Um the knocking on the pipes, you're thinking, well, what that this is, you know, people who are in a relationship and they live in the same building. Well, what we found out here this is a tweet from David uh, Martosko. Is that how you say yeah. his name? Uh, he has this tweet says, uh, among the weirdest things I've read about the Zucker scandal is that Gallist and her husband moved into the apartment above Zucker and his <laughs> wife. The same building. Same building. One floor apart. On purpose. While everyone was still married. <laughs> yeah. Very sick people. So therefore. Knocking on the pipes. Tony Orlando. Meet me in the hallway. <laughs> That's just incredible content. <laughs> and that 
folks, is how our thought process works. Yeah, I mean, there's other interesting color to this story. Uh, from Spencer Brown at Town Hall, CNN outed Zucker's lady friend as Chief Marketing Officer Allison Gullist, who previous posts include Governor Andrew Cuomo's communications oh, director. Jesus, quite a resume. And senior publicist for the Today Show. No! In 1997, the same year Matt Lauer no! was named as co-host. Oh. It's, it's like the trash just follows this guy wherever he goes. Matt Lauer she, having no, his own skin. Her! Her! That was her! Yeah, No, but Zucker was at the, at the network. He was at NBC. He was overseeing that network when Matt Lauer was running amok. When all, you know, these shenanigans were going on. And then he goes over to CNN and the shenanigans just continue. Just, just continue. It well, just follows. Quite him. the resume. Well, didn't she? So I saw a statement that she put out. Like he he put out his resignation statement about, you know, his apology and whatever. Right. It's not how he wanted it to end. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he wants to walk out the door with that. Uh, you know, damaged and failed network aside. Right. Uh, his affair is apparently ended his tenure. She puts out a statement saying something about their relationship she blamed it on COVID, essentially, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. so the statement here, and this is uh, Brian Stelter tweeting it, quote, Jeff and I have been close friends and professional partners for over 20 years. Recently, our relationship changed during COVID. <laughs> I regret that we didn't disclose it at the right time. It was the masks. It was the quarant- all the quarantining. When you live right above, you can't we're, see anybody. Jeff, we're all going through a lot, including infidelity. So you got to knock on those pipes. Yeah. Michael, I've got a question for you. Is is Brian Stelter the press secretary for CNN, <laughs> or is he a media reporter? I thought he was the media reporter. It's interesting. It seems like he's sort of transitioned in some sort of PR role. Well, it's one of the funnier developments about CNN under Zucker is how they have changed their media critic coverage right. to basically just being an extension of the PR agency. And we, we've talked about this a lot on the program, is that the, the media reporter is essentially a super PAC paid for by this corporate media entity to attack their pol- political opponent. Which is na- namely Fox News. Correct. Right? I mean, there's never been a day where Stelter and Darcy right. don't spend the afternoon Did tweeting they watch about, more Fox than they watch CNN? No, I mean, seriously, yeah. they, I'm surprised they're not based by now. <laughs> Right? Everything the guy tweets is a press release. Yeah, it to- but he's like the media critic, right? Yeah, but he's indistinguishable from a press secretary. I, I mean, right. it's just, and, and what's the name of his show? Reliable Sources. It's the, it's like the absurdity, the levels of absurdity that are going on over at that network. Beyond all these shenanigans, and, 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 and I mean, this is because there was a, a, a probe going into the whole uh, Cuomo situation where, like, a Chris pro- Cuomo, who's the brother of the governor. Of words there, pal. Well, I mean, uh, so uh, the brother of the governor is working at, you know, a, quote, news organization, helping his brother cover up a scandal. Yeah. Like, how is this network well, allowed to out, exist? It turns out there's a lot more connection than that, right? It sounds like the lady that we're talking about yeah, here is a, yeah. is, she's a, a Cuomo communications but, but director. It, but it is wild to think about it now. Like, Okay, so the Andrew Cuomo scandal. Yeah. The blast radius of that has, has <laughs> the amount of degeneracy. It's incredible. It's exposed. Second only to Wiener. It, second only to Anthony Wiener. <laughs> Think about it like this. You know, there's that, that, that meme of like the dominoes where it starts with a small domino, domino and then gets to the end. Anthony <laughs> Wiener, like taking photos of his penis, <laughs> is, the, is the reason why we don't have a federal vax mandate. <laughs> Like, think think about that. Think about that. Walk us through the dominoes. Well, Anthony Weiner 
takes photos of his crank <laughs> and sends them to people over the internet. Um, he's then part of this probe with the FBI. James Comey reopens the investigation like 14 days before the election. They find sends the Hillary Clinton campaign to to a free fall. Yeah, because like uh, yeah, he I guess, was laptop. Yeah, the laptop that he used. I guess Huma, his wife, whom who was a uh, Huma Abedin, who was a Clinton, a Hillary aide. advisor and like you know right hand person. Yeah. Use that to like access State Department right. documents. Right. So, so like they, they had, had to get the computer. Right. Because they had that investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails and they happened to be on Anthony Weiner's laptop and he's sending pictures of his penis to <laughs> people on the internet. And uh, and then lo and behold, Donald Trump's elected president. We put three conservative justices in the Supreme Court. Thank you very much. I want to take this time to apologize to Senator Mike Lee and his staff. Uh, we did not anticipate that this was the opener to this to the uh, program which we'd be interviewing. I know that this is all uh, content that's probably not admissible, uh, but was a great interview anyway. Well, look, I mean, we're just reporting on the facts. Well, that's 100% right. We are not, we don't choose to be, to be crass. Imagine right. the fortune. I mean, he is appearing on a show that is <laughs> unquestionably the funniest show that we've done. So wait, 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 wait. Now that let's do the dominoes on Cuomo. Right. So Cuomo... Through his sort of touchy feely, we're not uh-huh. talking about the killing seniors, right? Allegedly, yeah, that is apparently okay. Yeah, that that part that part's not what got him aced, but the the, the touching and the feeling and and whatnot, uh, which extends back into time periods that um, you know potentially this uh, woman was working for him. Anyway, that revelation triggers mm-hmm. an investigation, right, which uncovers. Chris Cuomo right. helping his brother, Yeah, which CNN, by the way, all, none of us could figure out why it was that CNN didn't ace him right away. This is why. This is why. Yeah. Right. This is why. Like, there are zero ethics over there. Zero ethics. And it literally goes to the top because well, the guy at the top had to resign. Well, th- think about this. So, yeah, Chris Cuomo, right? Uh, now, Zucker. Also, Time's Up. Like, oh, the, the, yes. Right, the whole Time's Up movement. That was outed in this right. because the Time's Up person was busy playing defense uh-huh. for Cuomo in this entire thing. And it was like, oh, wait, no. And 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 not only that, Rose McGowan called all of this yeah. like years ago. Totally. When, when Me Too started and then this sort of parallel organization, Time's Up, got started. Was she outed as a, as a PR as agency? As a PR effort. Yeah. And she implicated Alyssa Milano, who she was on that show Charmed with. And was like, you know, she's dating this agent who works at uh, CIA. That's doing all of this. Who's doing Time's Up. Yeah. And what it really was, what we saw in in this investigation of Cuomo, was basically a protection racket for people who were doing bad things. Well, a protection racket for Democrats. Correct. Who were doing bad things. That's right. Right? I mean, they they could care less if if you fall on a different ideological uh, side of the spectrum. Yeah. But if you're... Then then people get held accountable. Yeah, well, that's accountability first. Right. Right? (laughs) Facts first. CNN. <laughs> this is CNN. <laughs> and, and 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 just the statement that uh, Stelter put out on behalf of what's her name, the chief marketing officer, Gallist. At, yeah, at, Allison Gallist. On Gallist, like that, the absurdity of her being like, "Hey, you know, this it was during COVID that you know the nature of it changed." Which I mean, that is very easily pro- disproven as a lie. Uh, there was this article which came out years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how. Oh, at, at CNN's, I believe it was their holiday party. Yeah, it was like a fight. Uh, it was so, like 2016 or 2017 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, it, this is from the Daily Mail. It says uh, two top CNN executives get in heated public debate during top Manhattan media party. 
Jeff Zucker and Allison Gallist were seen arguing at a party on Thursday. They were attending the Hollywood Reporter's 35 Most Powerful People in NY Media Party. Mm. A source told Page Six that an argument from work spilled over into real life. That's April 2017. Oh, so it's a complete nonsense deal. It's, it's, it's even more lies. Like, oh, it's there, just there's on no top end of to lies this. on top of lies. And, and and these are the folks who are out there being like, oh, you know, we are we are beacons of democracy. We we are. The, the the we can decide what the truth is. Like they're out there trying to so, get Joe Rogan. I, kicked so you think off it, so you think maybe it was the it was the opposite. Like so so in that statement where she says our relationship changed during COVID, this is and this is just speculation. I don't know about you know the the facts there, but do you think maybe with lockdown, the moving into the apartment uh, <laughs> above became a necessity to continue an affair? Well, knock three times. Conjecture. As Tony Orlando would for say our, for our lawyers. Yes. Do we think Daniel Dale will fact check this statement? (laughs) (laughs) I would love nothing more. Can I ask perhaps an impolitic question? Okay. It says here, according to Stelter, that Allison Gallist is going to stay on as chief marketing officer at CNN. They're not going to fire the Democrats. So, but wait, like, what is the difference? I mean, I guess maybe that he's her boss. Right. That I mean, there is a difference in that. No, right. No question. No question. But they're both married. Right. They both have a 20 year career here. And she seems to have been a part of these three organizations that have very questionable uh, handling of alleged sexual deviancy yeah. within their ranks. Uh, how does this blast radius not include old Allison? Yeah, you would think it would. Right. I think it's a it's a make good on Hillary. You know, it's like Anthony Weiner in propriety, right? <laughs> Hillary Clinton doesn't get to be president. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. and so and so now it's the inverse. It's yeah. like they're both implicated and 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 Zucker has to he go goes up there. the river. Yeah. And she's like going to continue on. That's right. It's it's karmic justice. Let me just tell you, like uh, Thursday morning's not easy. It's HQ <laughs> when she strolls in. And, and maybe I, she's taking a couple of personal. Days. Well, I, want, uh. I wanted to add on a little bit. Uh, some information that I found. So this is from Katie Couric's book that she released last year. I'm just going to read the whole thing. You are. A, listen to I this. I mean, listen. These the guys, research department of Ruthless. These wow. guys have to be called out for this. They have to be called out. It's unbelievable the amount of like nonsense that they've put out over the years of how they are the purveyors of truth and, and that they're these shining beacons of democracy. And this is who these people are. So this is from Katie Couric's book. It was a little weird. With the Today Show, I just kind of came on and people responded. Here there was product testing. It didn't feel organic. At a certain point, Jeff, that's Zucker, made a huge push to bring on Alice and Gallist. While we worked together at NBC, she and Jeff cooked up even bolder ways to draw attention today and later to Jeff himself when he moved to entertainment. They were joined at the hip. What a choice of words, right? Oh. The problem was we'd already hired a PR person hip, for maybe the show. Hip, join at the hip. <laughs> yeah. Hips. Uh, the problem was we'd already hired a PR person for the show. There really wasn't a role for Allison. Jeff asked me to meet with her anyways. One weekend when I was out in the Hamptons, I went over to her house and t- uh, told her what I'd already told Jeff, that we had the communications piece of it covered and there just wasn't a job there. What we needed were talented producers. ABC was paying Jeff and me a ton of money. Um, I was also uh, executive producer of the show and my name was on it. I felt a certain responsibility to spend the money wisely and have some real agency in the decision making. 
I had to wonder why Jeff was angling so hard to bring Allison on board. Are you kidding me? Wow. Will, will, you, will you read that sentence again? I, I, I had to wonder why Jeff was angling so hard to bring Allison on board. Oh, I, I, she see and her, yeah, I see what you did Yeah, I see what she's This I is the best episode. <laughs> recent, <laughs> recent developments It's like everybody, everybody's been throwing out little breadcrumbs. But nobody says the obvious. It says, uh, this, so this is where, again, this is where we get into how bizarre this is. So um, she and her husband and kids had moved into the apartment right above Jeff and Karen's. Everyone who heard about the cozy arrangement thought it was super strange. Cozy. Yeah. By that point, Karen, that's the name of uh, 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 Zucker's wife. By that point, Karen had become a close friend, and it made me really uncomfortable. Oh. I, okay, this is cool. I don't want to force myself on you, Allison said oh. reasonably that day in the Hamptons when when you know they're dealing with why is why is Zucker pushing this lady? Right, on gonna the show. be involved, right? She seemed disappointed, but that was the end of it. Parentheses, sort of, not really. Like it's amazing how Corica is dropping this last year yeah. of just like all these hints, and yeah. now you can see where it's all connecting. It says uh, Ann Sweeney had lost all confidence in Jeff. One afternoon after we finished taping, he poked his head into the makeup room. They fired me, he said. I was pissed, both at Ann for not giving me a heads up and at Jeff for having one foot out the door. He called me a couple of weeks later. Will you do me a favor, he said, sounding uncharacteristically needy. Will you call Jeff Bukes, then CEO of Time Warner, and put in a good word for me at CNN? This is really my last chance to have a big job like this. And of course, if you want it, there'll be a job there for you too. In those eight wow. seconds while he waited for my answer, our time together flashed before my eyes. The excitement and fun, the teamwork, the uh, ascent. Yes, he'd been a huge disappointment, but in spite of everything, we've been through so much together. Also, new news had always been his sweet spot, and CNN would be a much better fit. Of course I would, I told him. On November 29th, Jeff was named president of CNN. His first hire, Allison Gollis. No! Oh! <laughs> oh, and I never did hear from him about that job. Wow. Oh! Shade. Shade. Oh, the Ruthless Variety Program Research Department. That's why they call us Ruthless. His first hire. His first hire. Yikes. That's a COVID thing. It's just a little COVID yeah, just thing. A COVID it's just a COVID thing. We're all going through a lot. How can you not be, you know, it's it's a pandemic. Well, you feel bad for her husband and his wife. It's you got you got to go easy on them, buddy. Right under this their is, own roof. It's an honest network. They're putting in <laughs> honest days work. They're doing everything they can to bring the facts first. <laughs> I mean, you know, look. I think that you effectively eliminated their argument. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, mean, I yeah, we I'd fact like, check, fact check. I'd balls. like to hear the other side of the story clearly, but I mean, to be honest with you, that's seems... yeah. If Stelter wants us on reliable sources, we'd be happy to illuminate the yeah, situation. Five Pinocchios. It, yeah, you know, you imagine the casting crew of Ruthless sitting across of uh, Stelter, and that's the thing. Like, it's so disgusting. That guy runs this show called Reliable Sources, and he's just running cleanup for all this. Just the potato working his magic. Unbelievable. I think he's going to have a number one seat again this year for this. Yeah, seriously. But Zucker's going to be in the mix. Unbelievable. These people. These people. Wow. What a wonderful way to start. All right. So a couple of things that we've got going on. Uh, I want to talk. We have a sponsor for today's program. A, an old friend, the Judicial Crisis Network. Um, as you know, I mean, for those of you like me who followed Supreme Court over the year, they are a organization that's absolutely integral to successive conservatives over the years, the majority that we now enjoy on the Supreme Court. This crowd is, I mean, they are a big part of, of you know, what we have come to realize is a very successful conservative push on the courts. Well, now that there's a Supreme Court opening, they've announced a new $2.5 million 
Supreme Court ad campaign. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Huge Payback, unquote. Uh, And it's highlighting the liberal dark money groups that got Biden elected, forced Breyer out of office. Because if you guys remember, remember the buses that were cruising around? Demand justice. Another left-wing dark money group. And we've talked about this often, this entire network run through Arabella Advisors. So this is, you know, barrel of the bat content. Barrel of the bat stuff. And so now that they're holding these people accountable, I'm glad they're doing it because I'm hearing, and I'm not going to name names right now, but I'm hearing some Republicans talk softly. Getting soft. They're talking softly about it. They're like, oh, well, I like this person. This, you know, we're going to, you know, this will be a nice confirmation process. Bullshit. Everything after Kavanaugh has changed the world forever. That's right. I I would like all of those people who are considering that sort of thing. Again, I'm not going to name any names, but go ahead and pull up that YouTube of the full Senate judiciary hearing on Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Put yourself back into that frame of mind and remember what these Democrats did to us. Yeah. That Michael Avenatti out there saying that, like, Kavanaugh had, like, gang-raped women. They put her on prime time, in, in broadcast on NBC without apparently vetting. Well, there the, was multiple and, women. And, and today, Avenatti, like, literally today, is in a courthouse awaiting, you know. I think he's in, Br- in the brig. Actually. No, no, when is he's it? in this lawsuit with Stormy, Stormy Daniels. But isn't he in the brig? I thought he was sentenced. I think he was sentenced for the Nike extortion case. Yeah. But maybe you got to, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I, I, I do remember recently seeing some transcripts of him, I believe, in court with Stormy Daniels because they have a lawsuit That's right. against one another. Wow. Also, which is fantastic in, in, in all of this Zucker news to think that CNN had Stormy Daniels in primetime like every week well, for and- three years. Meanwhile, Zuckerberg or Zuckerberg Zucker is engaged in this. Yeah. Affair. Well, uh, so Avenatti, this was in the era. This is actually the era that I stopped doing CNN Mm -hmm. for precisely this reason, because every single time I went on, it was either following or or right before that asshole right, right. coming on air. And it was as if Avenatti had his own show right. on CNN. And that's the that's the important thing here is like they have this whole apparatus in place. You know, they smear. Uh, when, whenever a conservative Supreme Court justice is put forward, they smear them. Um, the, over the over the weekend, that news came out that uh, Arabella Advisors, that left wing dark money group, which is a clearinghouse for money, spent one point two billion in twenty twenty to elect Biden. Yeah, read that story in the New York Times. Ken Vogel, Shane Goldmacher, it's illuminating. We've talked about it on the program a lot, but there's a lot of meat in there. And we mentioned Demand Justice, the group that yeah. had those like retire Briar ads around there. Yeah. They were funded by the sixteen thirty fund, who, which is part of the Arabella network. Like it's it's no it's no coincidence. So two alum from Demand Justice, Jen Psaki and Paige Herwick are now in senior positions in the Biden White House. Of course, like they are. just follow the money. Of course they are. Well, look, <clears throat> at least we can count on Judicial Crisis Network, and I mean that sincerely. They are uh, they are doing the Lord's work, and they're going to pick up where they left off. And I saw this ad on Twitter today and retweeted it. I highly recommend if you are on Twitter, go ahead and go to Judicial Crisis Network, RT that thing, spread it far. Yeah, and check wide. it out. Check it out. Um, I have some, uh, shall we say, uh, internal uh, work to do here okay. on, on the program. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to do to clear the air that have caused some consternation. Oh, we're clearing the air. Yeah, well, just amongst the, the cast and crew of, of Ruthless Variety program, there's been some concern, Michael. <laughs> this is the Wordle thing. There has been some concern expressed okay. about you following the lead of, I think, basically everybody on CNN and most journos in D.C. and New York about playing, not only playing, not only playing, <clears throat> tweeting the results 
of a game called Wordle. It's a very like in like uh, thing to do when you're among the like cosmopolitan elite and media. Georgetown oh. cocktail party. Like they're oh. exactly they they yeah. put out their little Wordle picture and they I, all know. I couldn't tell you the last time I've been to a George. I don't think I've ever been to a Georgetown cocktail party. So is this your in, your workaround? I really hope not. I mean, what what is? I just want an explanation. Well, can I? I, an need, I, need, I need to take a little bit of. Uh, I need to take a second to apologize because I okay. was sitting behind Michael Duncan on an airplane and I asked him, "Have you ever heard of Wordle?" Oh no, you introduced him to this. And I handed him my iPhone. I said, "This is what it is." And I thought, you know what? That surely Michael's going to like this because Michael likes games. You know, he likes things like that. Like a brain teaser. Look what you've done. I didn't expect he was going to tweet it. Look what you've done. Michael, it just it, bring, it brings disrepute well, so, so upon the, the variety program. The, the tweeting, I, I I would like more context here. So the tweeting of it, you don't you consider that braggadocious? Well, no, it's the braggadocious nature is not what I'm concerned with. Okay, it's the adhering to this left wing mindset that you're playing a game of intellect that you need to share with the world <clears throat> to let them know how smart you are. Yeah, I mean, I don't give a shit if people think I'm smart. Like, <laughs> like I really, I really don't. Like I like I'm on a horse fighting podcast and we sing <laughs> off key meatloaf songs. Like I don't give a shit what people think about me. To be honest with you, you tweet it out to because I mean, in my opinion, the reason why I've been tweeting it out is I is I I like to show people how I solved because I like reading other people. Because you want to signal to the other no I, media I just, figures I'm one of you. I just like you I just be like part of that little club. I just I do not want to be part of the club. Let me tell you. But I, I do it because you're part of the community. You want other you want to solve other people. You want to see how other people got to their solve. Okay. And so you share yours. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, look, the pandemic Kind of like Anthony Weiner. <laughs> yeah. That's the way Amazing. They, that's the way. Well, look, I mean, the pandemic has been very hard on America's ed- <laughs> education system. It's really impacted a lot. And I think, you know, it's impacted literacy rates. And so I feel really bad for you guys that you're not smart enough to play the game. Oh, but maybe sometime you'll do. figure it that's out. Elitism. That's what the liberal elites do. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're just not smart. This it feels like a Radio Free Tom take. Over yeah, there. absolutely. Doesn't it? This is the fun. I, I, I feel like Trump should tweet out or somebody on his behalf should tweet out him solving it on the first try. Oh, <laughs> just green square. Well, so, so, so it's, actually fun. it's actually funny you say that, dude, because, you know, Trump, the word Trump has five letters yeah. in it. Yeah. Right. I'm waiting for the day that Trump is the solve for, for Wordle and the, the media just freaks out. <laughs> they lose their minds. Well, it's never going to be. And, and I know the reason why. Do you know the reason why it'll never be? Because it was just bought by the New York Times. There you go. Yeah. So that's the game that you're well, okay, perpetuating. So, well, so, so one, one more thing for our <laughs> listeners. If you do happen to enjoy Wordle like I do, uh, you can also play the archive. Mm-hmm. So, so you can there. There can be a workaround. We don't need. A, nobody needs inst- instruction on how to play this terrible game. I, I, it's a great game. I highly recommend it. It's, it's fun. Outrageous. It's a good brain teaser for the morning. Gets your brain working. All right. All right I, ha- all right. I have some. I have some good news that actually, you know, should help us bring back our esteem among conservative circles. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Comfortably um, smug. This is this is a really good announcement. A lot of folks have been asking, and uh, we're going to put twenty more tickets on sale. For Ruthless Live in D.C. on yes. February 10th. Let's go. Uh, the Ticketmaster link will be live with the extra tickets starting at 9 a.m. Eastern today. Oh, man. So, all Only right, 20 so left. Like The first first batch sold out. It was in, an uh, hour and a half. Like 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, there's only going to be 20. And, and you know, we, 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 we talked with the venue. 
uh, we found a way to get 20 more tickets available. They felt like they could cram 20 more in. We moved some tables and some things around to accommodate, because honestly, because we were getting absolutely inundated at the variety program about trying to get people into this thing. And honestly, we can't. We don't control it. Ticketmaster does. Yeah. So now uh, the resolution. Yeah, 20 more tickets, 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're listening to this in the morning on your commute. Get on it. Get on it at 9 a.m. They're going to go fast. Yeah, they're going to go super fast, and you're not going to want to miss this. We, we did a little walkthrough. And Venue's great. Frankly, we're going to humiliate ourselves, and that's what you should pay for. Your enjoyment. For. Yeah, for your enjoyment. Yeah, for your enjoyment. All right, let me, uh, let me do a five-star. Okay. This is from Quail One called Suspicious Mind. Uh, love, love your program. My wife is becoming jealous of how much time I'm spending with you fellas. You know, <laughs> my wife as well, pal. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's so perfect. I feel like all of us could enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I like that review a lot. We've got um, a special segment. And you may have noticed his, his vo- there was an additional voice in the opener today. Yeah. A soulful voice. A good timber. Yeah, a nice timber, a soulful voice that brought a little something extra. But we're bringing in a segment because the Redskins, otherwise known as the football team, um, finally announced their new name. Yeah. And so we'd like to call this segment Angry Redskins Fan. Yeah, Angry Redskins Fan. There's nothing fan. better, honestly. I love hearing Angry Redskins Fan. Angry, They're the best. Angry Redskins Fan, Kevin Golden, thank you for joining the program. Well, it's, it's an absolute honor to, to join the program for the first time, you know, especially in... In song, but also in, in commentary on such an important subject. Uh, I'm a long time first time, so uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I I appreciate, we all appreciate that. If you wouldn't uh, mind just giving us your Redskins uh, bona fides. Yeah, I, you know, lifelong fan. Um, You're a man for, from for, Maryland. I'm a man from Maryland. You know, I've been a, been a fan forever. We have a literal shrine in my household that has been in, in my childhood. So you didn't leave for the Ravens? You stuck with this? No, actually, I think, team? and that's actually the most disappointing thing about the Ravens is that all of, all of those fans um, were not fans on, until mid Super Bowl run on the first try. They had Trent Dilfer. Wow, as call out. I mean, that's a big see, call. Worst, so now maybe you know, the worst offense. So we don't need to know any of, of this that time. you're talking about. But what you've just done is done more to solidify your credentials right, as yeah. a Redskins fan. Is anybody that I know. So I want to know the what. How do you feel about the Commanders? Yeah, I I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> every every piece of it. Now this 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 is an organization. This that this this segment would have been a passionate segment from me a couple years ago. No matter what. No matter what. Commanders. I mean, no matter what. I would actually probably be burning the place down over the name. Now I'm just kind of a little bit. I'm just I'm disappointed yet again. I and there's it's a very deep disappointment and very quickly like everyone just started calling them the washington commies like (laughs) yeah i mean instantly took off the the plays that they have on this name are already insane that apparently they never thought through you know i did you give some thought to a name yeah i i I wanted the hogs well some some iteration of the hogs you know there's history to it you know when we were sold this bill of goods that when they they did the the temporary uh washington football team that they were going to take the time to find something that that ties into the history of the Redskins. I thought, okay, and, and what okay, is, give them a chance. Is, is this a reference to, like, military commanders or something? Like, what, what, what That's is right. This? Yeah. That's right. I, I very much look forward to the tie-in, uh, you know, the commanders sponsored by Raytheon. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like Raytheon a, Field. The, yeah. the, the commanders that wiped out the the Native American. That's population. the thing is like oh, it, it, oh once God. again you've got the commanders displacing Native. People, yeah, like, I, I figured they would have leaned yeah. right in on it and been like the Washington Pilgrims. No, yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> we didn't mean Redskins; we meant Indians. They, they, they <laughs> had, I mean, it's basically like it, it almost is offensive. They had they had two years to come up with a new name, and everybody was okay with that. And actually, I, I even kind of I kind of grew close to the football team. I was kind of okay with that. I always thought they were America's football team, anyways. You know, uh, but then the best they can come up with is a generic Madden franchise football name. When you start, when you start your first franchise on Madden, I, I think Commanders is one of the first ones that comes up. Oh, you know? it's like yeah, it's like we, Dan Snyder right. was like, oh, let me workshop the idea of a new franchise name. Uh, oh, Madden. Commanders, boom. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, garbage team, garbage fans, garbage name. So it kind of makes sense. Wow. Well, I mean, no. Well, gar- I mean, garbage fans. You know, again, like, like it's like it's fun being a Redskins fan or a Commanders fan. It's not. It's not a choice. It's it's DNA. You know, and so like to say that we're we're dumpy fans, which which goes back to why I wanted the hearts is because fans. we because we. It's true. Listen, I've been to one. I've been went to one Commanders game myself. This was back uh, probably in the mid two thousands, and it was an opener. It was in an opener Monday nighter against the Vikings, and I went there in purple, obviously, obviously. And me and a bunch of buddies were there, and and we st- like quarter one, we start getting like projectiles thrown. They're Pas- terrible passion. People. They're passionate fans. No, like all over. So so as as the Vikings were marching down the field at the end of the fourth quarter, inevitably to win against the Commanders because nobody loses to the Commanders, um, uh, we had to stand up and run to the exit and watch the field goal sail through the uprights and then dead sprint out of that joint yeah. for fear that we were going to be absolutely crucified by the fans of the Commanders. Like a less less successful philadelphia eagles it's only, exactly you know, right right yeah o- only to hop in the car and sit in five hours yeah. for the traffic to get out of the parking lot <laughs> look and, and that and that's the thing and this is and this is where it all comes down to is like yeah you know um, am i disappointed by a name change <laughs> yeah absolutely that started that started years ago and, and none of this changes until until the ownership changes. dan snyder is the biggest joke of all time so you know disappointed absolutely uh, Surprised? Not, not, even, not, not in the slightest. Not even a little bit. You know, yeah, it, you're just you, you're used to failure. I so love this, it. This, used to failure. Right. I, they they rolled out. You know, and the other thing about the commanders, there's two other things that kind of had me laughing today about about the commanders. One is, you know, they they try to trick you into thinking that, um, you know, they they give you black uniforms and a new helmet. Like, see, see, like this is cool. This is going to make the name cool because we have black helmets. Well, the W is on the forehead of the helmet. I mean, it just <laughs> looks stupid. And why? And why not? Why not? Why couldn't they have given us black uniforms when it was the Redskins or the football team? The football team. Why not? Yeah, because and they're here, they're terrible friends. And so now, and so now they try to toss you that bone to try to get you back on board, which I just I won't have it. Well, listen, what's your other one? You got one more because Hanneberg is actually Hollywood Hen is actually not she, as displeased as you are. Yeah. Well. You know, a lot of fans will say, um, you know, some folks didn't want the hogs. They they thought like pigs are disgusting, yada yada yada. I think Hen specifically was worried about doing the pig suey deal. The Arkansas, which, yeah, which we we would have never we would have never done. It's clearly the tie to the hogettes. We could have still been the skins, you know, pig skins. There's a lot a lot of 
really good things we could have done. Oh, there's a synergy the there. Yeah, synergy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some people are okay with it and you're not, you know, you know, God bless them. And I hope they were out there today looking for those, those trucks that Dan Snyder sent out with the free commanders merch. Um, <laughs> if I had seen one of those trucks, I would have spit on them. And, so. I, I, <laughs> and I want it just known to the audience as we say goodbye to angry Redskins fan, uh, that you are in fact wearing a Redskins shirt. I did. I put that on today in solidarity. I, um, it will always it will always be to me and and my old man the memories of us sitting in the living room disappointed <laughs> as Redskins fans that's that's what i grew up with you'll always it? have mark rippin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly right no, what a legacy angry redskins fan thank you for joining Just us it's an sir. honor to be on the program you thank got you so it. much you got it all right, so like we'll get into the serious news. By the way, the the, the, the now the commanders yeah. are there. They are on Capitol Hill being investigated for all the sexual harassment. Yeah, uh, that they've been engaged in. Apparently, I don't. I didn't even know that Congress had oversight over that. But apparently, in the House, you can get away with anything. So that's happening. Uh, on to real news. Axios had a scoop on the Afghan withdrawal. Do you see this, fellas? It's big news. Big news. Yeah, so leaked notes from a White House Situation Room meeting the day before Kabul fell shed new light on just how unprepared the Biden administration was to evacuate Afghans and Afghan nationals who helped the United States in its 20-year war against the Taliban. All right, I'm continuing to read. Hours before the Taliban seized control of Afghan's capital on August 15th, 2021, senior Biden administration officials were still discussing and assigning basic actions involved in a mass civilian evacuation. Incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yikes. And it flies in the face of everything the Biden administration told us at the time that this was planned for, that we prepared for this, that this withdrawal was calculated on, on purpose. Yeah. Well, it was also, remember, refuted by generals on Capitol Hill Correct. under oath who basically said, yeah, we gave them our advice and they didn't take it. Right. Right. But now we know. So, I mean, look, there, there were there were thousands at that time. We knew that there were thousands that were awaiting some kind of evac evacuation. It wasn't like unknown. Remember, there was a lot of talk about, well, we don't know how many people yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there. the incompetence. Is, is staggering. And, and and it's key because this is pretty much the moment where for a lot of voters, it became so obvious to them that they couldn't ignore it. And that's this is basically the tipping point, which which caused Biden's approval numbers to just start nosediving. I mean, so just a couple of uh, highlights from these documents that Axios obtained. Um, the document that they had was uh, called Relocations Out of Afghanistan. And the meeting was held from 3.30 to 4.30 on the afternoon of August 14th. Washington time. At that moment, Taliban fighters were descending on Kabul, right? The meeting notes highlight how many crucial actions the Biden administration was deciding at the very last minute. So they, I mean, look, what we said at the time was that all of this was related to a political decision that President Biden had made to try to get American troops out before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It wasn't. We know at no point would you ever decide to do this at the height of, quote unquote, fighting season. It was a political timeline. You're literally playing politics with the lives of Americans. And it's the reason why our Marines were fucking killed at lives. that airport. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, think about that. If you want to get angry about something, it's that rather than actually have have security for the Americans who are over there in Afghanistan, they had an arbitrary timeline for political purposes that got people killed. Yep. So here's the last bullet of this. The president himself and his intelligence community overestimated the ability of the Afghan military to defend their territory against the Taliban. Yeah, well, no, no shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. And complicating the situation further, further, Ghani, who's the president, uh, had personally pleaded with Biden not to do mass evacuations of Afghans earlier in that year because he feared that it would signal a loss of faith in his government. Well, who gives a shit? You just turned the thing over to the Taliban no matter what. What What is it that you're the PR piece of this? Right. I mean, are you kidding me? Oh, I'm sorry. It might lose faith. OK, where are you now? And, I mean, and, that guy's not in Kabul. Well, I'll you're, tell you you're, that much. your number your number one goal as the commander in chief and the president of the United States is the safety of Americans. Yeah, you don't right? care about it. It's, it's not it's not a PR play for for Afghanistan. That's right. the thing government. is this is a direct quote from from the article. It says, I kept being told by people in the White House the thing they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation, said Matt Zeller, a former CIA officer who contacted administration officials in February 2021 about protecting Afghans who worked with the Americans. They treated us like we were chicken little. They didn't believe the sky was falling. On the 13th of July, we offered to work with them to help evacuate our partners, Zeller added. We all saw this disaster coming before the inevitable occurred. They didn't get back to us until August 15th, the day Kabul fell. Oh. It's incredible. Oh. I mean, look, you should check out the article for yourself. I mean, it's on Axios. It's 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 a good article. It's depressing as hell. And go and go check out the real clear politics. President Biden job approval, like Smug was talking about earlier. And we talked about this on the program at the time and have been proven correct about it, that this was the inflection point. Yep. You look at these lines of disapproval and approval and approval goes down and disapproval goes up. And the pivot point is what? This was right then. This was it. Right. Because as we said, at that moment, this will be the moment where Americans begin to reevaluate everything that they know or thought they knew. Right, like outside of the base, like people who are willing to give them a pass, right? Yeah. This was this created the the permission structure for these people who gave them a pass on yes. other things to say, holy shit, they may not actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Yep. And and since then it's gotten worse. Supply chain, border, COVID. And all of that just builds on itself. And, right? and from the real clear politics polling, Biden is now less popular than Trump was at the same time of his administration. And from CNN, one word can describe how Americans are feeling about the way things are going bad. That's the finding of a new Gallup poll that measures the state of the nation. And it's what a lot of other data tells us as well. It's it's just it's clear. Like and, and this, ha- it's in free fall. The oh, approval yeah. number for Biden. What I want to know is how that rare piece of accuracy escaped the editor's desk at CNN. this this is how bad it's actually gotten right we got a poll from florida democratic presidential poll uh suffolk clinton biden oh my gosh a head-to-head guess what it is this is insane is clinton beating biden (laughs) come on hillary clinton 46 no biden 43. Sitting president. <laughs> Sitting president of the United States. I cannot tell you how rare. I cannot I mean, when tell you how rare is. is beating you, Napoleon. 
But I can't tell you how rare that is. She's universally loathed, and she's beating him. Universally loathed. Like, just for historical context, when Ted Kennedy ran against and embattled Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And embattled Jimmy Carter yes. in the primary. The malaise. And and Ted Kennedy had resurrected his image, and he was basically carrying forth the entire Camelot thing. Right. And he was like, you know, a young, vibrant, liberal the per- Democrat. The progressive lion. That guy could never, ever get within a country mile of a sitting president. Right. This? Yeah. Hillary Clinton, who's been sitting there doing master classes. Right. Is please, now please. master classes, and now she's leading the president of the United States. I mean, States. that is insane. Hillary, wow. please run. Please run. Oh, for the love of God, get your hat in the ring. <laughs> get your hat in the ring. Anthony Weiner can't disappoint you twice. Oh. So, you know, uh, this is my segue. You know, speaking what? of suspicious murders, you know, when you're talking about Hillary, <laughs> there's a suspicious. Parody, parody, parody. We're We're joking and laughing. We're laughing. There's a suspicious groundhog death on Groundhog Day Eve. Oh, no. New Jersey's weather predictor, Milltown Mel, dies just before Groundhog Day. I did see this. Hold on. on. I did see this. I want to, let me, let me, I want a couple of points of clarification off the top. Um, There's a New Jersey version of Puxatawney Phil. Yeah, imagine how rough it is for him. Oh, this is a grizzled vet. Right, I mean, this guy basically is in the waste management business, right? Pretty much, uh, yeah. He's he's in waste management. You got the Tony he's, Soprano of groundhogs. <laughs> he's a union representative. He's a union honest representative. working groundhog. And they took him out. Who took him out? Well, that's the thing is, and you know, there's there's a huge like. This is something that goes on apparently in the weather groundhog community because folks might remember, <laughs> you know, Bill de Blasio killed that groundhog. He threw it. Mm-hmm. it like for days, it was bleeding internally until it croaked. <laughs> Um, so, so it says here in the New York Post article, New Jersey's weather predicting groundhog, Milltown Mel, has died suddenly just before his big day. Quote, we wranglers are sad to report that Milltown Mel recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. Oh, to Sunday Post. Like, what a- it wasn't immediately clear when the local celebrity died, but the borough's annual Groundhog Day ceremony scheduled for Wednesday has been axed. I mean, what, what, what are you going to, what are you going to say about this? Like when you mentioned Punk's Tony Phil. Does he just not want the competition? Is no, that I what's feel going like on Punk, here? Listen, is, Punk's are they killing this is you know, his, competitive the competition? Well, this is his Maybe territory. Maybe it was why like, they got de Blasio to kill that one. You know, right, there's right. only going to be one game in town. We need to know the alibi and the whereabouts of, of Punk's Bill Satani. De No, of Bill, of Bill de Blasio. Oh, of Bill de Blasio. Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's likely like on the payroll. But I was just, <laughs> just going to say, but but to more important point, the godfather of this appears to be Punk Satani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De Blasio is just the enforcer. Yeah. yeah, he's the trigger man. That's <laughs> well, here's the, it, 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 what do you think this means in terms of like winter when when the groundhog straight up croaks? So like six more like forever winter. Forever it means another two yeah. years of COVID is what it means. It's Unbelievable. Insane. Oh wow, that's incredible. Okay, all right. So, um, listen, we've got uh, a friend of the program who we've had on this esteemed variety program, Tucker Carlson. Yes. Um, with some new stats about his show that I found absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's pretty funny, right? So Tucker Carlson, it turns out, draws the most Democratic viewers in a key demo, even topping Rachel Maddow in his name out. Seriously? Yeah. Fox News got 42% of Democrats aged 25 to 54. CNN got 33 and MSNBC got 25. No. Carlson was top amongst Democrats in the demo across all cable news and ranked third among Dems in total viewership. Are you kidding me? That's it actually amazing. makes sense. It's it amazing. actually makes sense. And, and you you understand why the quote unquote media reporters like 
you know, Brian Stelter at CNN train all of their fire on Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. because he is a threat. It's a business decision. They don't believe in any of that crap that they're like, oh, Tucker Carlson is a danger to democracy. Well, no, no, no. It's a business decision. 100% business and what, and what I like about Tucker, and there's there's obviously things, you know, I disagree with Tucker on, but, like, he, he doesn't offer, like, the, the normal... Orthodox, orthodox yeah. position, right? Like he, like there are no sacred cows. He attacks a lot no, of people. No, I mean his foreign policy views are basically the same as Glenn Greenwald, who's like a, a very sort of independent liberal, self-admitted liberal, right? Progressive, right? Progressive on right. on foreign policy. The two of them are sort of copacetic. So I actually, now that you mention it, right? It's not the weirdest thing in it's the world. It's not the weirdest thing in the world, and it's. Uh-uh. The, I, I think it's the reason why the blob of of liberal media, corporate media trains their fire on Tucker for that oh, reason. Interesting. Because they're worried that these Democrats watch Tucker and they get red pilled. And, and and this is the thing is, uh, you know, the Dems have CNN, they attack Fox nonstop because it's a business decision. Uh, it says here, Nielsen released January's ratings, which also provided a big win to Fox News. The network hit the milestone of becoming the top rated cable news network channel for 20 straight years. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, it, like they just crushed CNN. I, I don't know how you can conclude anything other than all of Brian Stelter's attacks, all of the left wing attacks. None of it's working. None well, it. it all talks to the I mean, Ashbrook, to that point, they're all talking to themselves. Right. Yep. Right. I mean, like Brian Stelter, his only audience and you look at the miserable ratings that that show gets, his only audience is basically other journalists. No, that's right. That's right. It's the Room Raider Twitter handle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ten of ten. Democrat has books in the background. Ten of ten. Yeah. (laughs) Zero of ten. Republican. (laughs) Exists. Yeah. Yeah. Exists. Yeah. Um, Guys, you want some more animals? I always. We, we got more animal news. Always. Let's go. Let's Have go. you guys followed this? Okay, so apparently in San Francisco, and I didn't know it, but it doesn't surprise me given the trashy place that that is now. Uh, there are rampaging pigs. <laughs> there's rampaging pigs across San Francisco, and there's a, a proposed California law that would make it easier to hunt the feral swine uh, because these voracious super invaders yeah. are the bane of some East Bay suburbs. Well, I'm not surprised because of all the poop on the streets. Well, that the pigs are, are they like are to roll in, and shit. They're coming in town. They're yeah, seeing they, all the poop in the streets. And, and they're and like, I, hey, this this they're rolling out the red carpet like, for oh, us. Look at this. I remember years ago when somehow on Twitter there was a discussion about how like wild feral hogs are like dangerous in Texas and they how are. they can like destroy crops and everything. And all these lives were like, this is the most ridiculous, dumbest shit I've heard in my life. Feral hogs, like, get serious. Like, here you go. But I, like yeah, the, right. the pigs are coming home to roost, dude. I, I I have shot a feral hog in Texas with an AR-15 out of a How helicopter. Out of a not, helicopter, not yeah. out of a helicopter. In I'm fact, gl- the one thing I would say, we need to do this. We have yeah. to do yeah. that. I'm glad, think Abbott I'm glad can hook you, this up. I think you should. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad you brought this up. If if folks in the audience have not are not familiar with hella hogging, <laughs> they should be. I mean, just Google hella hogging and watch as many videos as you can. <laughs> These animals are a nuisance. Yeah, they, are. they destroy they're, crops. They hurt. exactly. And, well, and they also are the kind of pigs that they feed. You know, in like they'll, mobster they'll, movies, they feed people too because well, they eat everything. They'll, they'll pay a bounty, like straight up a bounty. To, to, like farmers will pay for people to kill hogs on their property. Can, honestly, can I ask? It's just a simple question. Yeah. This proposed law says it would make it easier to hunt. Yeah. Uh, can you have a gun right. in California? Right. 
Well, no, ser- I'm I serious. Like a serious I question. I'd go with a taser. We're gonna go up to a. Well, but <laughs> no, what are you gonna do? This slingshot is, the fucker. This is this is where hella hogging comes in, because maybe you're not allowed to have the gun on the ground, but if you're flying in with a helicopter, air right. Just can you imagine just strafing, and- strafing over the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> there would be no better, no better backdrop. I mean, it's literally the villi- video game. It's like games. Grand Theft Auto. It is. <laughs> well, well, this is so. This is what's amazing. Speaking of like, you know, can you even use a gun? This quote from from this New York Times article is amazing. Quote: I would prefer a California where we had no wild pigs. Brendan Cummings, conservation director at the Center for Biological Diversity, said, adding that reintroducing jaguars no. into California could help reduce wild pig populations. No the way. Streets. No. <laughs> Put him on the street. I want to see that. Or, you know, if we clone a T-Rex, perhaps they could take care of it. There you go. They got a tech community out there that should get cracking on it. They should get a T-Rex going. Smuggle help because he loves the little arms. I mean, I would fully support bringing the dinosaurs back. He loves the little arms. You can barbecue and and roll them in some buffalo sauce. It's vestigial, so it's got to be tender meat. (laughs) Oh, folks. All right. All right. So we have actually a game. We do. We have a game to play. We're playing King of the Hill, as as we're one to do, as as, as is tradition on the Thursday episode. Um, Smug, you have our champion this week. That's right. I have Bill Crystal. Bill Crystal. Mm. And he's such a. He just nipped me at the wire on the five rounder. The five rounder, which I, you know, we got a lot of great feedback on. I really enjoyed. That. It was an entire episode. It was great. It was it was great. I don't want to do it again soon because it took a lot of effort. Yeah, I mean that was just a slugfest. Um, but I so I got Radio Free Tom this week. Wow, bringing back old Radio Free, and this is somebody who Smug generally uses. Yeah, well, I I like it. I like so there there's a piece of his genre that Smug usually plays best, which has everything to do with his elitism. Yeah, that has been on fucking hyperdrive over the last week. I mean, this sucker, it's like turbo elitism in every way. I just can't wait. This is great stuff. Fantastic. Okay, so let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill in the red corner. Fighting out of the Harvard Extension Campus. Radio Free Tom Nichols. And now, in the blue corner, fighting out of Pierre O'Madia's checkbook. And reigning. Champion of the world, Bill Boots on the ground, Crystal! I love Boots on the ground. It's incredible. And I think it's important for our listeners to know, John Ashbrook doesn't get enough credit for this, but this isn't something we do in post. No, he just does it live. He does it live. The guy goes ringside live. And just gives it his all. It's incredible it's stuff. Just right from it's just a, it's good projection for one. It's like you know when you have that sort of stomach projection, and, right? And it's a nice cadence, right? Listen, it's 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 my effort to um, copy a combination of Jenny Jimmy Lennon Jr. Yes, yeah. a legend. Michael Buffer, of course, but also the ESPN guy. 
Oh, yeah. You guys watch, everybody who listens to this show. Friday Night Fights or, yeah. or whatever. Well, I mean, there's a lot of like ESPN. You yeah, know, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So it's, it's a combo of the three of them. Oh, it's so it's good. It's just an impression, you know, uh, it's whatever. All right, Smug, what do we got? So as champion, I start, and I'm going to just go <laughs> right into this because this is complete insanity. This is from Bill Crystal, February 1st, 9.20 a.m. Starting the day with this. The impeachment article approved by the House in January 2021 was focused on January 6th, but Trump's effort from November 3rd on to have government officials subvert the election provides a separate ground for impeachment and disqualification from future office. Time for another impeachment? <laughs> Crystal is advocating impeaching Trump again. Third Right now, third. Post-presidency, you know, presidency, he wants another impeachment. And, and, and covering the period of time from November 3rd to January 6th. So he's like, we can have an impeachment for that period of time. It's that's just that's it's like the only thing they know to go to. What impeachment? Biden's incredible. been president for over a year now. I actually saw a poll today that said fifty percent of Americans support an impeachment of Joe Biden. I saw Amazing. that too. It was incredible. I was like, why don't we cool it on the impeachment right for a little bit? Let's win <laughs> some elections. Right? But I, what I love is that that is that Crystal's like, no. We need to go back and do another impeachment. Yep. <laughs> after after a majority of Republicans, not a majority, like all but three, basically, right, ruled that you couldn't post facto do it, right? Right. So it's like pushing the boulder up up a hill. Correct. Oh boy. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Tom Nichols, elitism, perfect. Uh, this is January 29th at 10.42 p.m., so well, well into the evening. I love when you guys give me the timestamp. Yeah, well into the evening. Um, he's retweeting something that is criticizing Trump that says it calls his viewpoint theocratic fascism, right? Okay. Just as theocratic fa fascism. In his retweet, uh, quote tweet, he says, I know people believe that's what it's about. But theocracy and fascism require actual, thought-out beliefs. Trumpism is just millions of Fredos howling, howling, I'm smart, I can do things, not like people say. <laughs> They're the raw material for fascism, but not nearly organized enough. <clears throat> I mean, that can't touch. Time for another impeachment? Question mark. It's incredible. So, 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 so the one thing I will say to, to Holmes's thing, what I do like about that is it lays a, what I think is a very important predicate for the never Trump movement, right? Which is that in, in the chance that maybe Donald Trump doesn't run again, right? They need to soften the ground to say, the next person's worse than Trump. Yeah. Right. 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 That, Rubes. That, that 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 like you know if it's if it's Ron DeSantis or whoever you know if it's Tom Cotton right it's oh well this is just Donald Trump with more organization right like they're gonna organize the fascism <laughs> right like fascism's always right around the corner for every Republican who's going to run. But the important underpinning of Radio Free is that Trumpism actually doesn't exist. There's no people who actually believe in Donald Trump. There are people who are too dumb. They're afraid of... Right, right, right. They're, right, they're right. too dumb. They can't figure out things, but they help, They want to talk. Yeah. Right? So they're just going to say it, and that's, what, that's why he got 70 million votes, because there's 70 million people walking the, the uh, United States of America right now who are just sort of like, uh, don't know it better. Don't know any better, but can still go out and vote. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is a shame, according to according to him. To Nichols. Can you read yours one more time, Smug? Absolutely. The impeachment article approved by the House in January 2021 was focused on January 6th, but Trump's efforts from November 3rd on to have government officials subvert the election provides a separate ground for impeachment and disqualification from future office. Time for another impeachment? Ooh. Beyond Ooh. insane. <laughs> well, um, they're both good. They're both very good. I would say the elitism of Radio Free Tom is is incredible. And I think the strategy long term for the Never Trump movement is sort of it really depends upon this sort of take. Which, of course, you know, this game, the the King of the Hill game that we created, it focuses in on Never Trump folks and their ridiculous brainworm takes. And so mm-hmm. like that is, you know, barrel the bat. Yeah. I just don't think it can compare with a post facto impeachment of a former president of the United States. That's new. That is new. Next level brain worms. Bill Crystal wins round one. Congratulations. Smug. So I I, I can't disagree with it. As soon as I heard it, I changed my strategy immediately. Yeah. You know, T-Rex, who who does all the analytics on Mm -hmm. this game. Yeah. You know, he talks about the importance of round one. I was loaded up. When I heard that, it was like he played his best. He played his best. He played his best. So So you're saying you threw a round. I did. Wow. I did. I did. No, I thought it was good. Don't it's, get me wrong. That's a good take. But good I think take. they're all good. And I this one, though, I, I just, it's, it's fucking amazing. <clears throat> so Radio Free Tom is RTing an NBC News report about Texas libraries basically getting rid of CRT books. Right. Right? Like all of these just horrible pieces of literature that we've been talking about. Propaganda. Yeah, propaganda. Like, Texas has taken, you know, the proactive measure of getting rid of some of these things he quote tweets this has gone beyond quote-unquote traditional values or rube ignorance holy shit or quote-unquote moral majority stuff which all sounds quaint now this is just panic by white people who will destroy children's libraries because they're hopped up on cortisol and they don't know how to stop it from being 2022 (laughs) <laughs> have at it Hoss <laughs> he hates people so much he's such an asshole <laughs> why does he want to live in this country I don't know <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he's a fat white guy. Right. You know? Right. I mean, oh. like like no shame, but like to have to have that much disdain for your other your fellow Americans oh. is just incredible. It's just amazing. All right, I have more brainworms. Okay. From Bill Crystal. This is 7 at night, February 1st. How will GOP chairwoman handle demands for a purge? The obvious model is the 1930s Soviet Communist Party Central Committee, which oh, set up purge commissions to which every communist had to report. The RNC needs to leave no stone unturned in its search for pro-democracy deviationists. <laughs> Coming from this guy, it this is unbelievable. A witch hunt. Unbelievable. Like, the, again, I want to say, this guy would have nothing if it wasn't for his father, Irving Crystal. He basically, for years, grifted off of his father's work to try to embed himself with like the the conservative right. establishment firmament, you know, 
And now he's like, actually, they're the communists, not like dem social, you know, Democrat socialists who I'm actively working with and being right. paid by. Right. It is, it is funny that the ultimate fail son, like legacy hire guy, pretends like he's part of the meritocracy. It's incredible. It is, it is absolutely it's incredible. It's such an insult. And there is going to be a court case before the Supreme Court on this issue with enrollment in, in colleges. And we talked about this smug, I think, yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, like a person like Bill Crystal would never get into an Ivy League school. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Smug, I think you got me a really good take, but I just don't see how it competes with the cortisol take, dude. Like that is the guy hates hates his people. fellow Americans. He hates people so much. He hates people so much. Ugh. It's incredible. Which I, is the I which is the irony as an aside of him are arguing pro democracy takes. Right. Right? It's like he actually hates democracy. Well, and we and we've talked about this a lot on the on the program. It's like the people who claim to be the most pro democracy are actually the least democratic. <laughs> like his like his whole shtick is like the death of expertise, right? And that the experts should have more say in, you know, how we form public policy. He doesn't think experts should be in charge of public policy, but like he thinks, you know, that the democratic system no longer trusts expertise. And like, there's a lot of reasons to not. Right. Yeah. I mean, the last two years submitted evidence a one, you know, <laughs> and instead he's like, you know what? Actually, it's like that. It's like that Simpsons meme of Skinner. Like, no, actually, the children are wrong. <laughs> I'm not the person who's out of touch. <laughs> so, I mean, this is one to one into the finale smug you got to go first with the reigning champion and okay. i and i want it to, to, to be known that i've got uh, uh two different takes that i'm going to deploy depending upon the genre yeah i mean the, the genre of this is nuke okay wow and and this is all in one tweet okay this all fit into one tweet this isn't a quote tweet or anything this is nope. one tweet this is one tweet oh wow a comedy in five acts act one hope democrats propose bill to curb gerrymandering <laughs> Act two, setback. Republicans block it. Act three, surprise. Some Democrats don't just wring hands. Act four, action. New York gerrymandered. Act five, happy ending. Republicans weep and gnash teeth. The, the, there's so many layers. There's a lot of layers there. There's a lot of layers Act there. Act three, the surprise. Some Democrats don't just wring hands. It's like, right. finally, you know, they fight. The whole, like... Oh, they just don't fight hard enough. He's playing right into that what, with a... But but what you've hit on here, Smug, which I think is very important and for our listeners, you, you have to recognize this. It's like the existence of the Never Trump movement and their purchase within the, the Democratic Party is, is, is based on the idea that here are some Republicans who know how to win. Yeah, the Republicans fight. Right, they fight. Like ours... Because like... That's sort of the it's it's a it's a neuroses that exist in politics. Yes. Both parties. Like both parties. Everybody thinks the other side fights harder. Yeah. Right. Whenever you have a setback, you're like, oh, well, if we only had so and so, you know, if we only had Mark Elias. Right. Or like which the, is how the Lincoln Project grifted 100 million. Bucks and that's from the liberals, thing. Right? And, and that's and that's my point yeah. is like them coming around and saying we're going to help elect Democrats. They're like, all right, finally, we got those hard nosed Republicans who know how to win. Like. Bear in fact, these it's, are these are the, the these are people who 
in fact do not know how to not win. Not in the least. Who Lost didn't know everything how to... they've ever won, ever Correct. played in. Correct. Right. Correct. But 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 that's what I like a lot about this tweet is is that's that sort of thing where they give up the game, right? Mm-hmm. Where these never Trump people, instead of being Republicans, are like, no, it's actually good when Democrats gerrymander. Yeah. Right. How far has this guy fallen for the money? Right. The, there is no principle. Money. My, my, my point is there is no principle. No. They, 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 like, like you said earlier, Holmes, like this idea that they're pro, pro democracy is ridiculous. And they'll say, well, we can't unilaterally disarm. It's like, okay, fine. So you're just as much of a hypocrite as anybody. And you know, right? shout out, shout out. You're like double entendre when you're describing the purchase of the Never Trumpers within the party of how like it's yeah, not just right. the position literally. they hold. They were literally, literally purchased. Yeah, right. literally the purchase. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, but I feel good about my ability to compete. Okay. Because what I'm about to give you is literally the crossing of the T and the dotting of the I's on all of the incredible amount of elitism. Okay. <laughs> right. I love it. It is the T and the I crossed and dotted. Mm. This comes at 12.15 a.m. I uh, love when you give me those timestamps from the early morning. January 31st, uh, 2022. This is a gentleman who was up late doing a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. I know my reaction to the Tom Brady coverage is churlish. <laughs> if anybody who follows sports uses the word churlish, they they don't follow sports. I'm just going to say that. But it is also consistent with my 40 years of astonishment that Americans know everything about sports figures but can't read a goddamn map or name their own member of Congress, but who then bitch about democracy. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Mic drop. uh, Unbelievable. Again, that's just a one-trick pony. That's just a one-trick pony. How every all three of them were the same deal. Your Honor, I'm coming with an amicus brief. There's an amicus brief coming into the court. Churlish, Tom Brady, goddamn, bitch. All of those in one tweet, sir. You you just cannot overlook that. This is insane. This is a three guy three three guy podcast. We got Ashbrook. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna object. Yeah, I'm gonna object. Jack? I'm just I think it's out of line. All right, Smug's uh, comment is stricken from the record, and this court will hold you in contempt if you have one of those outbreaks again. Now I'm gonna offer you a peace offering, and I'd like you to read yours one more time. Absolutely, a comedy in five acts. Act one: Hope. Yep. Democrats propose bill to curb gerrymandering. Act two, setback. Republicans block it. Act three, surprise. Some Democrats don't just wring hands. Act four, action. New York gerrymandered. Act five, happy ending. Republicans weep and gnash teeth. Yeah. So, I mean, what I really love, and I already said a lot of this, but I mean, what I really love about this is it sort of gives away away the game on on Never Trump. The idea that they had to become Democrats to stand on principle, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the whole thing. And in fact, what they're saying is Democrats should just be hypocrites yeah. on everything that they stand for, and that's how they win. It's so incredible. It's it, it it is a principleless movement. Yeah, Enti- entirely, entirely, entirely. Like I think if you actually ran a poll of Democratic voters and said, 
Donald Trump is a th- is such a threat to democracy, it'd be okay to steal an election from him. You could get over 50 percent of Democrats to say it would be okay if you could steal an election from him because he's such a threat to democracy. And never Trumpers would say that's okay they would. because they don't actually believe in anything. These people are psychopaths. Yeah. Now, what you have offered uh, is a different variety here. <clears throat> It's um, would you like a reread? No, I I think I, I think I got it. OK, it's it's predicated on the idea that everybody is supposed to be just like him. Right. Yeah. And that a democracy like <laughs> like I, I guess I just don't think like everybody should be very online. Like the reason why people don't give a shit about you, Tom Nichols, is because people have to make a living. And you don't, right? Like you live a fail son life where you can go on TV and you've got tenure and you live a very comfortable life. And and the idea that somehow you're better than people who are too busy to give a shit about what you care about reflects exactly on the reason why they don't give a shit about you. Right? Well said. <laughs> this is tough. This is a tough decision because they're both very, very good. But, and Your I, Honor, no, nobody is more capable of making a, well, a tough this decision is just, than you. This is just... He's buttering up your bread. I mean, I, I don't think I can be buttered. Hmm. You can't be buttered, but I will remind you that there is an appeals process <laughs> in this judiciary system, and I just encourage you to remember that. <sighs> Man, I think at the end of the day, other people in the Never Trump movement have revealed the same thing that's smug revealed in that crystal tweet, which 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 is like a huge deal. However, I think what Radio Free Tom produced here is unique. And for that reason, he wins. He is our champion. <laughs> it was it was a hard fought match. This was tough. This is tough for me. I will. I, so I completely reordered everything after your first tweet. I was going to lead with Tom Brady because I was like, that's my fucking winner. Is yeah. that the decision that was made by the team over there? Of Ash- oh, oh, my. Look, look at what's this. happening. Look what's happening. He, well, I think I think he's trying to undermine the uh, court. I, I'm just it has nothing I'm to do with the court. It's just I, I mean I'm just outraged. You know what? It takes a village. You feel you feel you feel like you, you justice you think has we, not been done. You think we colluded against you? No, not you. I'm talking about we got Ashbrook who's jumping in here. Yeah, well, like that's a, right. it, it's like a, it's like when you I'll have it be a, known a tag team match in. versus one no. guy. He's I mean, jumped in against me. It's fine. I, uh, I have full confidence in the I'm sanctity okay. of our judiciary process here. Yeah, and I will not question it. Nor will I, and I'll take the win. I appreciate the King of the Hill championship because it was hard fought. I really thought I had great stuff this week. I've never been more excited. I told the the uh, all who would listen beforehand that I felt like this is my week. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Let's get on to our interview with Senator Mike Lee. I want to welcome to the program, good friend of the program. You've heard him before here, Senator Mike Lee. How are you, sir? Doing great and honored to be on the program. Listen, it's just, uh, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the vernacular. You've, you've got it well-trained already. That's nice. <laughs> um, 
Listen, it's fun to talk to you for a wide variety of issues, but but you're one of the smartest guys in the Senate and you've got your finger in a whole bunch of different things that are happening. Believe it or not, things do happen. Uh, but generally speaking, they happen with your hands on it. Uh, the one I want to start with, because you've always been totally plugged into judge debates, is the Supreme Court. What's your view of how we start this thing and where it goes? Well, from what we're hearing, we'll probably have a nominee in about a month. Um, and, you know, these thing, things take some time. Uh, but that's why I doubt it would be possible for them to get this nomination out, you know, before the 1st of March. But it's possible that they could do it by then. And, and at that point, they'll announce a name. And then the official vetting process of the Senate Judiciary Committee will begin. A series of forms will be completed, a whole lot of uh, information gathered. Some of that will already be underway as the White House prepares to make an announcement. But, you know, assuming there's an announcement, uh, for example, on March 1st, I would imagine that we could start having a hearing sometime in mid-April or so. And, um, you know, possibly with a final confirmation occurring May, maybe June. But, you know, all this stuff is premature because it presupposes no hiccups along the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, what do you make of of the way that the administration is approaches. Obviously, President Biden during the campaign uh, promised to nominate an African-American woman. A lot of critiques. I heard your colleague, Senator Cruz, talk about this yesterday, uh, feeling like it just sort of unnecessarily politicizes and sort of reduces, you know, by omission, a whole pool of qualified candidates. What's your take on that? It's unusual. I, I think it's unusual uh, for him to specify up front um, the precise um, you know, uh, race and sex of the person he wants to nominate. Um, one of the reasons why I think this is particularly uh, um, in most positions that someone fills, if it, it, you you hire the person who, who you want to hire. And right. if that person also brings uh, other things to the table, other qualifications, other perspectives, you can make that known at the time you hire that person. How would you feel if you were the nominee. How will the eventual That's what nominee I'm feel yeah. when he names her? Uh, it, it seems to me to be a denigrating reference. Totally, it's, it's not. It, it's a denigrating reference in the sense that um, you would feel less than uh, uh, you might otherwise feel if if the president just said, "I'm going to find the best person," and then did that. Well, and, I also put it in the in the context of a private employer. Right. I mean, what right. if, if you did this in any form or fashion in, in, in private employment? You, I mean, you'd, you'd have serious legal ramifications. Oh, yeah. 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 In the absence of a uh, not to get uh, uh, too uh, legal here, but in the absence of something like a bona fide occupational qualification, um, let's say you're, uh, you're you're casting someone for a role in a play and and the character uh, it, uh, being portrayed um, it, it is of a, of a certain race. Something like that, where there's a bona fide occupational qualification, is an exception. But absent one of those pretty clearly delineated exceptions in the law, that would be unlawful up front to say we've got a vacancy. That vacancy will be filled only by a person of this race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just seems like a. Like you said, I think it's it, it sets the qualifications of the nominee back because there is this presupposition that they're in the place and being nominated because of this precondition, which is nonsense. Right. I mean, we all know that there's just tons of 
qualified people, regardless of race out there. I just I can't figure out what this administration I guess it's just political. Right. I mean, well, yeah, it, it is. And some people are pointing out that um, we've that Republican presidents have at least identified the sex of a nominee beforehand. I, I, I don't think they had to do that either. I, uh, right. That, right. That too was unusual. That too would presumptively be problematic if you yeah. did it in, in the employment context. Yeah, no, no, that, that that's 100 percent right. So now as we fast forward to this, I mean, look, Republicans have always been more respectful of the process of nominating and, conf- and confirming Supreme Court justices. I'll say all judges, really, if you go back to like Miguel Estrada and the experiences that they had in the early 2000s. But we've always had more respect for the process, as evidenced, I think, by what Democrats did to Justice Kavanaugh, which, of course, you were right in the middle of that. How do you see Republicans approaching this nomination? Obviously, you go through the paperwork, you list, you look at decisions if there are any, you question the nominee based on their legal bona fides. Uh, what do you what do you think that this all looks like? I, I think we're going to be very thorough uh, and um, I think we're going to give the nominee every opportunity to or articulate her judicial philosophy, how she would go about construing statutes or constitutional provisions. Um, and I think we'll be very thorough in reviewing any written work product, uh, especially judicial opinions, but also academic writings. Um, we will ask a lot of questions. But I, I, I think you're, you're right. There is no, um, it, there's not a single member of the Senate Republican Conference of whom I'm aware, and it would surprise me if it were otherwise, who is is out to pursue the politics of personal destruction. Yeah, exactly. It's not our objective. That's not what we're about. And it's tragic that it has happened, how often it has happened and how severely it's manifested itself when it has happened. Yeah. And entirely on one side, I might add. Yeah, entirely. (laughs) You know, I mean, look, everybody's throwing stones back and forth about everybody's behavior over the years when it comes to nominees. But the reality is, you know, the Borks, the Estradas, what happened to Justice Kavanaugh, all of the sort of precedent setting nastiness that changes the game forever going forward is universally started on the left. Right. Right. And and, and look, Let's be clear what we're talking about. Insofar as we're talking about Supreme Court nominees, uh, Supreme Court nominees, at least those who have come through in my lifetime, I can't think of a of a single Democratic nominee to the United States Supreme Court who has undergone anywhere near. Yeah, I agree. The kind of of personal uh, uh, destruction uh, efforts that we've seen from Democrats against Republican nominees to the Supreme Court over yeah. and over again. Yep. No, I agree with that. I agree. Let me let me turn the page. It's hard to pick in the long uh, line of outrages that we currently <laughs> are undergoing here in D.C. under this administration, where to start, whether it's, you know, infl- let's start with inflation, in the economy. I know you, your folks back home have to be feeling this in a in a pretty significant way. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the economic outlook for the country? Yeah, look, it is scary because um, this is the sort of thing that ends up hurting poor middle-class Americans harder than anybody else. If, if you're wealthy, you've got the sophistication and the resources to buffer uh, uh, up against the fact that each dollar is going less far. But inflation uh, is going up significantly. I mean, we're talking about 7%, uh, uh, products being 7% more expensive nationwide. 
uh, year over year. That's a, that's a problem. Um, in some parts of the country, it's worse. In the Mountain West, um, uh, places like Utah, it's more like 8.3%. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, wages are rising by only about 3 or 4%. Which, average. by the way, they throw a parade for themselves about that, right? right I mean, they're like, right. oh, good news, wages are up. Wages, way up. <laughs> like, yeah, look at inflation. It would be great if we hadn't like, just recklessly um, inflated the dollar. And <laughs> right. Yeah, it just, it's just... It's the easy. nasty thing about inflation. It's, it's kind of a backdoor invisible tax on, on uh, poor and middle-class Americans. And we do it when we overregulate. We also do it when we overspend through the federal government. A hundred percent. Well, it looks like you all have had some success, thanks in, in part to the assistance of Senator Joe Manchin at stopping the worst of the worst, which is, is BBB. And again, yesterday he said, uh, as far as he's concerned, BBB is dead. What's your take? Do you think, do you think it's dead? I think it's dead. Um, I think it's, um, it's not just mostly dead. I think it's really dead uh, this time. <laughs> Good. It, because, it, you know, they badly butchered that thing at every stage. Yeah. I'm stunned at how poorly they played that. And, um, but Joe Manchin's a man of his word. He's given his word pretty clearly on this. Yeah. And um, uh, for whatever combination of reasons, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer um, isn't going to budge from where he is. This thing is dead. Yeah, good. All right. Well, that's that's your lips to God's ears. <laughs> let's, we don't need to make the situation any worse, which they've done at every turn. Um, let's go foreign policy real quick. Uh, your thoughts on Ukraine. Like on the program, we've talked about this a lot. And our biggest concern is what happened in Afghanistan. Ultimately, the weakness that was showed cascaded through, obviously, Putin's Russia and how he sees us vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine. But more importantly, and I think most importantly, as far as we're concerned, she Taiwan, what that means, right? Because of the the global economic relationship there and, and sort of the struggles we've had over the last few years. Where do you think we sit in the context of all of that? I don't know. I, I, I will tell you this. Um, it worries me a lot, especially with the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, it's a stark reminder of the fact that well, we have the, the, the largest, most sophisticated, uh, most powerful and feared military force perhaps ever assembled in, in the history of this planet. Um, we're not very good at getting out of wars. We don't, sometimes we know how to get into them um, and sometimes we don't know how to get out of them. And the two do need to be connected because we need to know what the objective is and how right. we get out. And so one of the many reasons why this thing in Ukraine worries me is that um, there are myriad ways in which we could be drawn into the conflict. Mm -hmm. and unless we have a clear objective of what it is that we want to accomplish and, and, and how it is that doing that is necessary to protect the American people, I, th I think we need to continue to think it through very carefully. Yeah. Um, I, I, and it does not give me great confidence uh, that our commander in chief is, is not one who has shown a lot of common sense in matters like these. No. What is it that uh, Gates used to say that he, every decision he's made for the last 30 years in foreign policy has been the wrong one? That seems right. It seems prophetic in many ways, because the last year and a half has certainly been a technicolor demonstration of that. Yeah. I wish there were a way to hedge against that by identifying <laughs> that thing that he would choose and then doing the opposite. Let's um, extrapolate that out for a minute, because I know you've given some thought to China 
and there's been some legislating in that in that department as well. How big of a threat do you think economically we face currently with China? Are we taking it seriously? Where do we go from here? Yeah. Look, um, on the one hand, China does not have our best interests at heart, nor does China have the best interests of its own people at heart. Uh, this is a country that is um, treating its own people rather ruthlessly and, and not, in, in the, uh, not in the sense uh, uh, of this. Uh, not in a good way. Uh, not, not, in, not in the good way. <laughs> right, not in the program um, way. Uh-huh. Not, not in the sense of the program, but in the sense <laughs> right. uh, know of, what you mean. of the country under the thumb of Mr. Xi. Yep. Yep. Um, I think that if we can increase our trade, uh, reduce our trade barriers with other countries, including and especially many of China's neighbors, and uh, increase uh, the viability of other trade relationships, we can be less dependent on China for buying products. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the way in which we're headed. We've got so many other countries uh, throughout the world and throughout Asia uh, where there are a lot of opportunities for us to have a good trade relationship. The more we strengthen those, the more I think China, number one, becomes less significant to us. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, China starts uh, realizing that it has to stop abusing its own people and it abusing its own trade partners. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right. Um, what do you think? about? You've spent a lot of time actually recently. You've spent a lot of time uh, talking tech and antitrust and everything else. And I know you're sponsor of a couple of bills but as it relates to China. The, the one issue that I've uh, come across that concerns me a little bit is China is clearly building from within to try to have a technical dominance because I guess that's, you know, AI and everything else they're, they're planning for the future. How much does that concern you with sort of the bifurcated situation that we have in our own tech industry and the sort of contentious relationship that we have both politically and, and through our government? Do you concern, are you concerned at all that we put ourselves at any disadvantage here or we don't realize the sort of what, China's trying to do here? Yeah. Uh, as to the latter question, I do think we realize what China is trying to do. They're, as my late father would have said, they're wolves and wolves' clothing. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're pretty open about it. That's pretty um, but I think the best way we beat China is not by trying to emulate China. Uh, now, obviously, and I, I hope never, ever would we be in a position of treating our own people the way China does. But yeah. what I mean by emulate China, I don't think we ought to try to beat China by emulating China at massive scale government dominated industrial policy. And, and I think that's a very real risk to us. We're, we're never going to be that. Uh, our nature, our culture, our constitution, uh, everything about us it's not amenable to that sort of thing. We're never going to beat China by trying to beat China at communism yeah. uh, or at command uh, economics. It doesn't work for us. What we need to do is beat them by being our best selves, by reducing our own uh, barriers to trade or by reducing our own regulatory burdens. You know, federal regulations cost this country an estimated $2 trillion yeah. a year. And that's one of many things that hinders our competitiveness abroad. 
No, hundred percent. Totally agree with that. Um, all right, let's turn the page. to just politics for a second. Uh, clearly you follow this. Obviously you've got skin in the game. Um, kind of feels pretty good to be a Republican right now. What's your take? It does. It, it feels good to be a Republican in the sense that so many things that President Biden has been pursuing with the assistance of Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Schumer and others, uh, so many of those things are um, a really good manifestation of why we need what I call constitutionally limited government, why we need to stick to Republican principles, why we ought, ought to be all about protecting free markets and institutions of civil society. And so I think in that respect, uh, the, the, the winds are starting to shift in our direction. It is, on the other hand, a very trying, very difficult time to be a Republican because we don't control the majority in the Senate or in the House, and, and uh, we don't have a president in office who uh, shares our views on just about anything. So this is going to be a real time um, uh, for the American people to to yeah. A time, a time for choosing, as Reagan mm -hmm. said. I mean, it certainly is. And that, that's what you get after unified government. You see the results. But I, look, I think, I think you and many uh, of your colleagues have done a terrific job of getting back to sort of the principles of the Republican Party and articulating that as a alternative, right? There's always, always this talk about, like, you know, what's the alternative vision? You know, like every Democrat in the world wants to make this a choice between something they can demonize and, and their own agenda. But I think you every day, and this is why people should listen to Senator Lee, every day provide that alternative. Every day you talk about a lot of that. How important is it to you to, to also demonstrate what we would do? Right, right. And, and, and one of the ways in which I hope that we can expand our, our tent a little bit is by identifying the fact that when you unpeel everything, when you take uh, government out of its trappings, out of its uh, pretty wrapping paper and everything, government is about coercive force. That's what government is. And so we've got to use that cautiously because governments are run by human beings. Human beings uh, are redeemable, but they are flawed. And so we've got to be careful about how we use force. We use force to protect life, liberty, and property. But we shouldn't be using the overwhelming coercive force of government to try to tell people that we're going to improve every aspect of their lives. Once government starts to do that, it becomes destructive of the very ends it's supposed to protect. And that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. You, you've got a, a direct line on this stuff. We lose this. This is a thread line that is the party at its best. And too often we get off into a debate about, you know, how high we can raise the child tax credit or, you know, whatever it is that we can do to start, you know, use the government to help stuff money into people's pockets. That's not what we're here for, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, it, and in this respect, I think we could uh, uh, we've all been taught well by the Canadian trucking party or exactly. Yes. Up there. Yeah. Those guys are. Uh, uh, up there sending a, a simple message. Uh, don't uh, don't use force to make it so that we can't uh, provide for our families and provide food for you to purchase at the grocery store. Yeah. You know, and it seems like it, regardless if it's Canada or it's the United States, the, the, the driving mode within progressivism currently is this sort of coastal perception where you're sitting, you know, collecting your six figure income behind a zoom camera and not worrying about where your meal shows up. Right. The right. truckers, the truckers kind of put that to rest, didn't they? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's why this really is increasingly becoming um, uh, almost a, uh, a conflict between haves and have-nots, between uh, educated, uh, between sophisticated elites mm-hmm. and everyone else. Now, I do think that there are conservatives and there are liberals at every point along the socioeconomic spectrum. But I also think that increasingly the burdens of big government are being felt more harshly uh, by those who shower after work rather than before, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, by by those who uh, wear a uniform or a name tag at work, by those who are... um, uh, earning hourly wages. And, and that really is hard. And I think we as Republicans have a real opportunity to make headway by sending this message, helping people uh, un- understand the government very often is the problem. And as it relates to a lot of these burdens currently facing poor middle-class Americans, it's definitely the problem. We're inflating the dollar through reckless policies and we've got to stop. A hundred percent right. Last uh, question. How's the snow out in Utah? Are we are we dealing with this? Is a, it seems like it's got to be a great winter, huh? It's a good winter. The snow was a little better than last year. It's not as 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 good this year as I had hoped, but there, there's still a lot of time. Uh, sometimes we get some of our best snow in Utah in uh, in February. So ah. and, you know, if if you like skiing, I can highly recommend Utah. I mean, technically, if it falls outside of Utah, it's not actually snow it's it's something else so we'll leave that for another day. it's like bourbon but, in kentucky right exactly. we had the same thing <laughs> we, we talk about all kinds of things except for the bourbon part I'm, i don't know how to do that we talk about all these things at my website at leaforsenate.com perfect leaforsenate.com listen senator mike lee i can't thank you enough for joining us again we always love having you thanks so much Josh. good to be with you so you know we've had him on a couple of times and um the thing that I like about Mike Lee is that you can just kind of like sit back. You don't have to have prepared material and know a whole bunch of things that he's been working on and just kind of like follow the news. And then you can have an intellectual conversation about all of it because he literally consumes all of it. He's one of the smartest people yeah. that I've ever talked to in government. Yeah. Uh, the guy's a genius. I mean, yeah. he's a constitutional lawyer. Um, and I believe he clerked at the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a great guy to have on your team. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, he's he is. And he always gives us he always leaves me with a little something I hadn't thought about. Right. You know, he's very, is. very smart. I Again, and we mentioned this at the top of the program as we got into the Anthony Weiner stuff. I feel a little bad that, you know, I, I went into some details there. I feel bad for you, uh, Senator Lee, if you're listening. Well, to this, this is a man who doesn't utter a swear word and he doesn't drink a, 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 a drop. And he is uh, clearly refrains from any of the vices right. uh, that life offers. And so he, <laughs> we managed to drop him into the middle of a zucker. I know he's the better man. He's a better man than I. Yeah. But you know what? At least we had a banger of an episode, gentlemen. Outstanding work, everybody here. And a reminder to our folks out there, tickets are on sale 9 a.m. today. We only have 20 more tickets for our live show February 10th. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.